It's a huge shit sandwich and we're all gonna have to take a bite. Are you ready? Hey, think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You'll never have me, sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. Oh, today is Wednesday. Wednesday, Paranoia Playhouse. Welcome back. And I want to say before we get started, just because you're paranoid does not mean they're not out to get you. But until then, until you figure those things out for yourself, I want to welcome Gashy Clay back to the Paranoia Playhouse. And today is the last part of the Malcolm X trilogy. And tonight it is titled, What? <laughs> I forgot already. <laughs> ah, when you start thinking for yourself, you frighten them. Quote, unquote, right. Malcolm X. Right. So, before we share the video with the crowd, um, I, I the third part I listened to, I had to cut it up a little bit because my source material I had, they, one half of the audio was so bad, I couldn't barely hear it. So, I had to put it on my editing software and tweaked it a little bit. So, it's actually a little, you can hear things now, and but it's still kind of rough. And it's at the, it's, there's two parts to this video. You'll hear the first section, then it'll go to the second section. The second one has a different audio, but um, it's better than what it was. I guarantee you that. But I'm hoping that you can make it through because there is a message there. Okay. Oh, I hear a train. Yeah, I'm, I'm like maybe about a mile from the railroad tracks. Gotcha. <laughs> there's a song there. I know there is. Half a mile from the, oh yeah, Alice's Restaurant. <laughs> Half a mile from the railroad tracks. Just around the back. Right. All right. So, like I said, before we get into this, um, I, I wanted to bring this out. And it's not a, you know, teaser or whatever you want to call it. But I had a conversation with a buddy of mine that I haven't talked to in a couple of years. And next week's video will be something totally different, totally off-brand, off-whatever. But it's going to be something interesting. And I want everybody to pick it up and check it out. But until then, tonight is the last part of the Malcolm X. And I got questions that brought up to myself and we'll talk about them. So before we get into that, how was your week? Man, my week was um pretty good. I busted my ass on the parking lot, you know, um didn't really bag. I found a method to collect cards. I can pick up anywhere from ten to fifteen cards if I use two straps, like if I double strap the carts down, ratchet them up. It's a little bit harder to push and get them to turn in, but I had to drop them and then break them apart and put them in there. Right. Now, y'all don't have the automatic cart wrangler? Um, my co-worker, his name is Alvin, said that they got it at the Middletown Kroger, but um, that's the only Kroger that I know of that has it. Okay, so the bigger chains have it. I mean, it's yeah. still Kroger, but the bigger chains, I got you, I got you. Yeah, the bigger right. chains, we're like a small chain store. We uh, close at 9 o'clock, you know, we close early. Oh, I got you, I got you, yeah, get it shut down before the vampires come out. <laughs> the freaks yeah. come out at night, the freaks come out at night. <laughs> yeah, um, all the other stores close at like maybe 10 or 11 or anything, or anything like that. Like the latest one I know of that stays open is the... Um, Dixie Kroger on Dixie Highway, which is the marketplace. He used to stay open at 1 in the morning. Now to cut back to about 11 o'clock at night. All right. Now, um, just curious, and I'm not trying to call anybody out, but just curious, the Dixie Market, is it in a higher income level community? Um, yeah, like a lot of people out that way, it's, it's, it's semi-high income. It's not like okay, middle okay. town, which is in a super high like, income area. Right, so I'm not like I said, I ain't calling anybody. I'm just like, see, look, there's a pattern. <laughs> but I talk about that all the time. You got the green people, then the paisley people. The rules play differently for each one, depends on your income bracket. But as, right. that's no here, no there. That's just something that, that's an observation I made. That's all it is. <laughs> right. So, okay, let's go ahead and get this video out to the folks. And like I said, this is the third part to the series. And like I said, the second half of the video, um, the audio itself, it's um it's audible now, but it wasn't when I got it. I mean, it was it was really bad. So just bear through it because there is a message there. There really is. So we're gonna get it rolling, and we'll be right back. 
When so, if a criminal comes to rob your house, brother, with his gun, just because he got a gun and he's robbing your house, uh, and he's a robber, it doesn't make you a robber because you grab your gun and run him out. No. See, the man is using, using some tricky logic on you. Don't uh, struggle only within the ground rules that the people you're struggling against has laid down. Why, this is insane. But it shows you how they can do. They make the, with, with skillful manipulating of the press, they're able to make the victim look like a criminal and the criminal look like the victim. They use the press to make it look like he's the criminal and they're the victim. This is how they do it. And if you study how they do it here, then you'll know how they do it over here. It's the same game going all the time. And if you and I don't awaken and see what this man is doing to us, then it'll be too late. They may have the gas ovens already built before you realize that they're hot. One of the shrewd ways that they use the press to... Uh, project us in the eye or image of a criminal, they take statistics. And with the press, they feed these statistics to the uh, public, primarily the white public. Because there are some well-meaning persons in the white public as well as bad-meaning persons in the white public. And whatever the government is going to do, it always wants the public on its side. And whether it's the local government, state government, federal government. So they use the press to create images. And at the local level, they'll create an image by feeding statistics to the press, through the press. Then people begin to look upon the Negro community as a com community of criminals. But despite your professional standing, you'll find that you're the same victim as the man who's in the alley. Just because you're black and you live in a black community which has been projected as a community of criminals. This is done. And once the public accepts this image also. And what has given this image? The press. They use the press. That doesn't mean that all reporters are bad. Some of them are good, I suppose. But you can take their collective approach to any problem and see that they can, e they, can, they, often, they can always agree when it gets to you and me. When they knew that this affair, which is, which is designed to honor outstanding black Americans, is it not? You'd find nothing in the newspapers to give the slightest hint that this affair was going to take place. Not one hint. Why? This is not, this, this. You see, you have many sources of news. If you don't think that they're in cahoots, what? They're all interested or none of them are interested. It's not a staggering thing. They're not going to say anything in, in advance that's be being given by any black people who believe in functioning beyond the scope of the ground rules that are laid down by the, by the liberal element of the power structure. When you begin to start thinking for yourself, you, they, you frighten them and they try and block you're getting to the public for fear that if the public listens to you, then the public won't listen to them anymore. And they've got the, they got certain Negroes whom they have to keep blowing up in the paper to make them look like leaders so that the people will keep on following them no matter how many knots they get on their head following him. This is how the man does it. And if you don't wake up and find out how he does it, I tell you, they'll be burning, they'll be building gas chambers and, and, and gas ovens pretty soon. I don't mean those time you got at home in your kitchen because the press didn't project it in such a way that it would be designed to get your sympathy. They know how to put something so that you'll sympathize with it, and they know how to put it so you'll be against it. I'm telling you, they are masters at it. And if you don't develop the analytical ability to read between the lines and what they're saying, I'm telling you again, they'll be building that gas ovens. And before you wake up, you'll be in one of them, just like the Jews ended up in gas ovens over there in Germany. You are in a society that's just as capable of building gas ovens for black people as Hitler's society was. You are fools. They'll do it to them today and do it to you tomorrow. Because you and I and they are all the same.
They call it a humanitarian project, and that they're doing it in the name of freedom. And all of this, these glorious terms are used to pave the way in your mind for what they're going to do. Then they take Shombi. You heard of Shombi. He's the worst African that was ever born. The lowest type that was ever born. He's a murderer himself. He's the murderer of Lumumba, the former prime minister of the, the first and only rightful prime minister of the Congo. He's an international, he's a murderer with an international stature as a murderer. Yet the United States government went and got Shondi in Spain and put him as the uh, head of the Congolese government. Imagine this, this is criminal. Here's a man who's a murderer. So the United States takes him, puts him over the Congo and supports his government with your tax dollars. Now, in other words, they hire him to occupy the position as head of state over the Congo. A killer. He is a hired killer himself. His salary paid by the United States government. And he turns his first move is to bring in South Africans who hate everything in sight. He hires those South Africans to come and kill his own Congolese people. And the United States again pays their salary. You know, there's something to think about. How do you think you would feel right now if some Congolese brothers walked up to you? They look just like you. Don't think you don't look Congolese. You look as much Congolese as a Congolese does. They got all kinds of Congolese over there. Uh, how would you feel if one of them walked up to you and asked you about what your government is doing in the Congo? I was asked that when I was over there. But they didn't have to come to me like that because they know where I stand automatically anyway. And for what I'm thankful to the press for letting everybody know where I stand. <laughs> the, but you have no explanation. Your, 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 your tongue stays in your mouth. And you have to then become, go to the extreme to convince them that you don't go along with what the United States government is doing in the Congo. But again, it come, your image making comes, in, comes into uh, importance here. And they justify the usage of Shambi as the present head of state by saying he's the only African who can unite or bring unity to the Congo. Has he brought unity to the Congo? But see, this is their game. And their real reason for wanting Shambi there was so that Shambi could invite them to come in. So they put Shambi there. And as soon as Shambi got there, then he invited them to uh, bring paratroopers from Belgium in the United States transport planes to try and recapture the Congo. This is all a cold-blooded act on the part of your Western powers, namely the Western powers here in the United States, the interest in the United States, in England, in France, and in Belgium, and so forth. They want the wealth of the Congo, plus its strategic geographic position. The step-by-step -step process that is used, was used by the press First, they fan the flame in such a manner to create hysteria in the mind of the public. And then they shift gears and, and, and fan the flame in a manner designed to get the sympathy of the public. And once they go from hysteria to sympathy, their next step is to get the public to support them in whatever act they're getting ready to go down with. You're dealing with a cold, calculating, international machine that's so criminal in its objectives and motives that it'll be, it has the seeds of its own destruction right within it. They use the press to emphasize that, but still, I wouldn't judge them just because they're white, because they call me a racist. <laughs> judge them by their deeds, by their conscious behavior. And you know how they've been consciously behaving in the Congo, and how they consciously behave in, in, in Vietnam, and how they consciously behave right now in Alabama and Mississippi. So you and I got to get conscious and start behaving in a way that we can offset this thing before it's too late. And this is what they don't want to hear. And the United States interests are involved in blocking this. Yes, some of these liberals who grin in your face like this, face like they're your best friend, they got money tied up in the Congo. Some of the most powerful political figures in this country, some of them governors over states, got interest in the Congo and got interest in South Africa and got interest all over the African continent and go there. And as the Africans awaken and realize this, they, it makes them uh, filled with the incentive to never rest until that exploiter is driven out. 
So now, what effect does this have on us? Why should the black man in America uh, concern himself since we've been away from the African continent for 400 years, three or 400 years? Why should we concern ourselves? What impact does what happened to them have upon us? Number one, first you have to realize that up until 1959, Africa was dominated by the colonial powers and by the colonial powers of Europe having complete control over Africa, they projected the image of Africa negatively. They projected Africa always in a negative light. Jungles, savages, cannibals, nothing civilized. And, well, and naturally, it was so negative until you, it was negative to you and me. And you and I began to hate it. We didn't want anybody to tell us anything about Africa, and much less call us an African. Uh, and, and, uh, and in hating Africa and hating the African, we ended up even hating ourselves without even realizing it. Because you can't hate the roots of a tree and not hate the tree. You can't hate your origin and not end up hating yourself. You can't hate Africa and not hate yourself. And you show me one of these people over here who have been thoroughly brainwashed, who has a negative attitude toward Africa, and I'll show you one that has a negative attitude toward himself. You can't have a, you can't have a negative attitude toward yourself, a positive a attitude toward yourself, and a negative attitude toward Africa at the same time. To the same degree that your attitude, that your understanding of, an attitude toward Africa becomes positive, you will find that your understanding of and your attitude toward yourself will also become positive. And this is what the white man knows. So they very skillfully uh, made you and me hate our African identity, our African uh, characteristics. And you know yourself that we have been a people who hated our African characteristics. We hated our hair. We hated the shape of our nose. We wanted one of those long dog-like noses, you know. Yeah. Uh, we hated the color of our skin, hated the blood of Africa that was in our veins, and in hating our features and our skin and our blood, why we had to end up hating ourselves. And we hated ourselves. Our color became to us a chain. We felt that it was holding us back. Our color came to us, became to us like a prison, which we felt was keeping us confined, not letting us go this way or that way. And we felt that all of these restrictions were based solely upon our color, and the psychological re reaction to that would have to be that <clears throat> as long as we felt imprisoned or chained or trapped by black skin, black features, and black blood, uh, that skin and those features and, and that blood that was holding us back automatically had to become hateful to us. And it became hateful to us. It made us feel inferior. It made us feel inadequate. It made us feel helpless. And when we uh, fell victim to this feeling of in ina inadequacy or inferiority or helplessness, we turned to somebody else to show us the way. We didn't have confidence in another black man to show us the way or black people to show us the way. In those days, we didn't. We didn't think a black man could do anything but play some horn, you know, some sounds, and make you happy with some songs and in that way. We, but when, in serious things, where our food, clothing, and shelter was concerned, and our education was concerned, we turned to the man. We never thought in terms of bringing these things into existence for ourselves. We never thought in terms of doing things for ourselves, because we felt helpless. And what made us feel helpless was our hatred for ourselves. And our hate for, hatred for ourselves stemmed from our hatred of things African. They pulled a trick that was colossal. In that when you're playing basketball and they get you trapped, you don't throw the ball away. You throw it to one of your teammates who's in the cliff. And this is what the European powers did. They were trapped on the African continent. They couldn't stay there. They were looked upon as colonial imperialists. So they had to pass the ball to someone whose image was different. And they passed the ball to Uncle Sam. And he picked it up and has been running it for a touchdown ever since. He was in the cliff. He was, he was not looked upon as one who had colonized the African continent. But at that time, the Africans couldn't see that though the United States hadn't colonized the African continent, he had colonized 22 million blacks here on this continent, because we were just as thoroughly colonized as anybody else. When, when, when the ball was passed to the United States, it, came, it was passed at a time when John Kennedy came into power. He picked it up and helped to run it 
was one of the shrewdest backfield runners that history has ever recorded. He surrounded himself with intellectuals, highly educated, learned, and well-informed people. And their analysis told him that the government of America was confronted with a new problem. And this new problem stemmed from the fact that Africans were now awakened. They were enlightened. And they were fearless. They would fight. So they used the friendly approach. They switched from the old, open, colonial, imperialistic approach to the uh, benevolent approach. They come up with some benevolent colonialism, philanthropic colonialism, humanitarianism, or dollarism. Immediately, everything was Peace Corps, crossroads. We've got to help our African brothers. Pick up on that. <clears throat> We've lost everything, but we're free to do anything. Last week when I was in England at Oxford University, we had a debate at the Oxford Union. And before the debate, I was with several of the students. We were discussing a variety of things for a couple hours at a dinner. And at the end, toward the end of the dinner, a girl uh, that had been one of the diners pointed out, she said, you know, you're just not what I was looking for. So I asked her, what were you looking for? I knew what she was looking for. She was looking for the horns that had been created by the press. Uh, and those horns mean she was, she was looking for someone who was out to kill all white people, who was a segregationist, a rabble-rouser, an irrational, an extremist, subversive, seditious, someone who couldn't hold a conversation with just anyone. This is what she was looking for, because she was looking for something whose image she only knew from what she had read by a very biased press, a press that has perfected image-making to a science. And then they use these images to make people love whom they will and hate whom they will, uh, not based upon what people themselves discover for themselves, but based strictly upon the image that the press wants to create and then project to the world. So in both instances, they didn't see the horns. Perhaps the horns were there, but they were well hidden. So I take the, uh, I just take time to mention that because it's very dangerous for you and me to form the habit of reading, of uh, believing anything completely about anyone or any situation when we only have the press as our source of information. It's always better if you don't want to uh, be completely in the dark to read it, but don't come to a conclusion until you have an opportunity to do some personal, first-hand investigating for yourself. And if you ever are going to hold a position of leadership, uh, along, which go, along with which goes a great deal of responsibility, my advice to you would be just that, to be very careful about letting others create images for you. Always examine for yourself. The, the American press, in fact the FBI, use press to create almost any kind of image they want of anyone on the local scene. And then you have other police agencies of, of an international stature that's able to use the world press to create images of anyone whom they want or anything that they want. And if the press is able to project someone in the image of an extremist, no matter what that person says or does from then on, is considered by the public as an act of extremism. No matter how good it is, it, because it's done by this person who has been projected as an extremist, no matter what it is, or how good it is, or how positive it is, or how constructive it is. The, the people who have been misled by the press uh, have a mental block, and the press knows this. If the press can project someone as subversive, or a group as subversive, no matter what that group does, it's looked upon as subversive. They could run and save someone from drowning in the middle of the Hudson, but it's still the act is looked upon with suspicion, because the, the press has been used to create suspicion toward that certain image.
a person is projected by the press in an image that's an image of irresponsibility, then no matter how responsible that person's actions may be, the people look upon that act as an act of ir uh, as an irresponsible act. And I point these things out especially for you and me, those of us who are trying to come from behind and not get ahead, but at least get even. Uh, if we aren't aware, we'll find that all these modern methods of trickery that they have perfected to a science will be used and we will be maneuvered into thinking that we're getting freedom or thinking that we're making progress when actually we'll, we will be going backwards. Likewise, if they can project you in the image or project someone in, in a violent image or in the image of someone who goes for violence and you accept that image and whatever that person becomes involved in, as far as you're concerned, he believes in violence. He can save a baby from the path of a car but you don't see someone saving the baby from the path of a car. You see someone who believes in violence. And these methods have been used very skillfully by the power structure, the national power structure, as well as the international power structure. And one of the things that you and I, as an oppressed people, should be on guard against, as I said, is to be very careful about letting anyone paint our images for us. The, the, the world press, as well as the American press, can make the victim of a crime look like the criminal and can make the criminal himself look like he's the victim. You don't think that this is possible for someone to do that to your mind. Hey, hang on. Let's hold that thought for a second. We're going to get back into the show. Okay. All right, Paranoia Playoffs. We were just having a conversation off 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 screen, off camera, off microphone, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, we started having a conversation about the thing we just heard about the content itself, but it ties directly into our conversation today. So let's go and get back into that. Um, so you were just saying, that, you know, the idea that he was giving messages about um, love dies. You know, I think personally, before we get started, I think personally, a lot of things he talked about over his tenure as a speaker can apply to a lot of different people. Right. But I know I know it was I know it was geared toward black folks. I know that it was geared towards to rise them up, to um, make them feel empowered, to give them you know hope and integrity, to give them some kind of sense of worth. I but I honestly believe that message can apply to a lot of different people. Yeah, it can. It but can. at the same time, yeah. But at the same time, I know it was geared towards you know a certain group, a certain culture, and I and I appreciate that. But I do honestly think if people actually sit down and listen to what Malcolm X said, and um listen to his messages it applies to a lot of folks yeah it does so you were saying so you were just saying about um love thyself yes go ahead expand on that okay so what it means about love thyself you know um you wanted you to have like you know don't always put yourself down you know um he didn't want you to um he wanted you to love the skin that you were in you know um no matter whether you had no matter no matter what your skin color well when it came to black folk, you know, you want us to love skin you. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna add on to that and say, no matter what skin color you are, love the skin that you're in. You know, um, right? You know, don't put yourself down. You know, just because you have a few blemishes, you know, here or there, you know, somebody's gonna see you through your imperfections and say, like, you know, you're um, perfectly imperfect, if you know what I mean. Right. Right. Yeah. And see, I go through that because I, I'm I'm a I'm I'm 100 guilty of being a self-loather. I look sometimes at myself and I feel disgusted by what I see. But also, that's a mental trick that I play, you know, within my own psyche. Because I grew up the chubby kid, the out of place kid, the outcast, you know, the whole nine, right. the funny looking one. So that that resonated through my life, being you know, called those things. So I have to remind myself. No, wait a minute. You're okay. You're all right for who you are, you know, except for who you are. So, yeah, I, I, I'm guilty of being a self-loather, but I don't do it as much as I did back then. But I, I do agree that there are a lot of folks in this world that don't believe in themselves uh, on a personal level because of how they've been treated, how they've been left out, been rejected, been you know, thrown away. So you got to learn to love yourself first before you can love anybody else right. or anything else. Right. You know, even if you, even if you can't love yourself, uh, accept who you are. Now, if you want to change yourself through cosmetics 
or through the um, idea of, you know, getting the fancy clothes or whatever, that's not going to change who you are on the inside. Right. Because the, the old saying goes, beauty is skin deep, but I'm telling you right now, ugly goes straight to the bone. Yeah, I was going to also say this. These women out here going and um, getting these um, breast implants, you know, Brazilian butt lifts and all that, you know, that's always gonna last for so long. You gonna end up right back. You know, wasn't one of the implant implants as well. Just gonna end up with a with a ass that you don't have no more, and with titties that you don't have no more, just because of the fact of you chose to go and do that. See, a woman to me, I like her just the way she is. She ain't gotta um get all them get all that um fake weave and um get all them butt implants, breast implants. You know, she's perfectly just the way she is. You know, whether she wears makeup or not. See. You know, when it comes to loving a woman, you gotta love her with or without makeup. You can't, you can't, you know, especially if you want to wake up next to that person, you know, every day. You gotta learn right. to love that person for what she is. Now, I gotta agree, disagree at a, um, a certain level there because I do understand the idea that some people want to improve themselves by making themselves look better. Now, I, I, I get that. I know, but like I said, I, but I agree with you. They don't have to, but it's still, that's something they want to do. That's their choice. But do it because you want to feel better about yourself and not trying to fit in where, you know, somebody else. Right. So if you want to, but I'm, I, I'm all about if people want to get their hair extensions, get their hair done a certain way, get their nails done, get makeup, get breast implants, get body augmentations. Uh, <coughs> I, I'm all about it. But do it for yourself. Don't do it for somebody else. Right. Don't do it because, you know, you see see this person in this magazine that looks this way and think you're supposed to be that way. That, you know what? That's a whole nother conversation right. for a whole nother show when it comes to, um, you know, magazines promoting a certain way of living and trying to, you know, and, and then, you know, people who got low self-esteem be like, man, I wish I could look like that. But my thing is, that's right, a whole, right, a whole right. other conversation for a whole other show. See, that's a whole other playoff play show right there. Right. Now, I've said this for a long time now. i said it for a long time. You cannot pour syrup on a pancake on a turd and make it a pancake. You know what I'm saying? Right. You, you can take a body and dress it up and make it the most glamorous thing in the world, but that does not make you a good person. That just makes you acceptable in the eyes of somebody else. Yeah, if your That's personality is right. ugly, if your personality is right. ugly, then, you know, people are going to project that. They're going to see you as this, like, you know, handsome man or beautiful woman, but your personality, if you got an ugly personality, that's what makes you ugly. For real, for real. Your personality. And, and, that, and that's why I said ugly goes straight to the bone. You know what I'm saying? But like I said, for anybody to want to change themselves inside, outside, whatever, it's going to be, it has to be their choice, not anybody else's. But at the same time, I understand the idea of wanting to belong, wanting to be accepted. But I gave that up a long time ago because I already understood that I was not going to be accepted for who I am. So I tried to change. I tried to become like everybody else. That didn't work for me. So I had to figure out who I was. That's where I'm at now. Going on half a century, I had to, I'm still trying to figure out who the fuck I am. You know what I'm saying? But other than that, um, this whole episode right here, like I said, this is the third part about it. And the thing that caught my eye or my ear or, you know, my, my questionable, you know, consciousness, whatever you want to call it, um, is that. All three times through all three messages, he always talked about the liberal media, the liberal politicians being um, on the wrong side of the um, the spectrum, right? Right. Because they would paint it, they would paint him in a different portrait. They would paint the black culture in a different portrait. They would put, you know, the media would do these things, the um, politicians would do these things. But he always referred to them as the liberal media and the liberal politicians. But now, when he did say the other media, he never said um, conservatives. Or are Republicans, but he said there. Um, he goes, there are good media out there. So I, I'm the question to raise in mind: Was there a time during the '60s where there was actually um, conservative media? And I, so I went. I had to go look it up. I had to go look it up. Okay. Actually, they were, they were underground papers. There were actually people that were conservatives that were that ran. Uh, they were they were activists. They were actually activists for change in America to fight the Democrats, to fight the liberals. But now, since they weren't well-known, they only had a small following. The liberal media actually controlled radio, television, and the newspapers. That's what they controlled. And so that was actually controlled by the liberals and the Democrats. 
So everything you pretty much heard in the 60s and 70s was the mainframe narrative of the same thing we're seeing right now, the liberals and the Democrats. And I'm not telling anybody to not listen to your affiliation because I know a lot of people identify as Democrat or liberal. That's fine. But you need to look at what they actually did to try to stop change in America and how they're doing it right now. They're using the same game but different message. Instead of trying to um, take away the um, um, empowerment or disempowerment of the black people, they're trying to paint the portrait now that someone else is trying to keep you down, but actually the whole time it was them. And I'm like, so I, I looked at these things, then I found something else that, that, um, that flipped, my, flipped my wig, if you will. Okay. So I, I wanted to know um, about conservative media and found out <laughs> – and y'all got to go look this up because it, it it blew my mind when I found out. Right? Do you know where the conservative you know where the conservatives came from? Um, people who wanted to conserve, like um, conserve money, no, conserve stop energy. Stop! Stop! Stop you right there. I'm stop you right there. We're talking about the conservative party, the Republican Party. Okay. You hear anybody say Republican? They say conservative. Do you know where conservatives came from? No. They came from the Democratic Party. Oh. Yeah, that's what I said. This is what they, okay. There were a handful of Democrats back in the day that didn't agree with the liberals and the Democratic Party, so they wanted to branch off and and um, have a different ideology because they had different thought patterns and ideas for changing America that didn't agree with the liberals and Democrats of those oh, days. Shoot. So they formed a conservative party. Now, a lot of these conservatives were still Democrats, but they um, started uh, more or less um, edging towards, merging towards the Republican Party. So... That's why you hear nowadays Republicans being conservative, because the conservative party actually um, broke free, succeeded from the Democrats, and moved toward the Republicans. So we had we had Democrats that were liberal, then you had Democrats that were conservative, but those Democrats turned to the Republican Party. So there was already a Republican Party, but so those Democrats moved, and now they're, they're considered all Republicans. So the conservative party actually came from the Democrats. And another thing that flipped my mind is that they did a survey back in the 80s, right? Okay. Now, they surveyed a bunch of people and talked about former past presidents and all this. Did you know that it's, it, it flipped my wig again? Now, I know these things because I like studying history. But did you know that a lot of people in America actually thought JFK was a Demo uh, Republican? I did not know that. His his ideals, his uh, his ideology, his policies, and everything lean more conservative, like a Republican would. So a lot of people actually thought JFK was a Republican when he died oh, because wow. of his uh, his his policies. And so you know the conspiracy, of course, is the government killed JFK. I mean that's always the conspiracy. But the reason they killed him is because he wanted to change America in a certain way that conflicted with the democratic uh, policies and ideology, right. the liberals. So yeah, but a lot of people in America actually thought JFK was a Republican, and I'm like, I, I can see that. But I'm like, wow. Now I know different because I like studying history and shit. Right. You know. So I thought that was kind of weird that um, a democratic president. But his policies and ideas, actually, people thought he was a different party. And I'm like, that, that was pretty cool. So when I heard Malcolm X always, past three times, say the liberal media, liberal politicians, because you know what? They were in charge for a very long time. Now, in the last video, um, Mayor, Mayor Yorkin, remember we talk, he talked about him? Uh -huh. Like I said, um, was it this time or last time? It was um, last time, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, like I said, this guy was a Democrat all his life, but he he got he got voted out of office, he got replaced by a Republican. So he tried to become a Republican. They're like, no, we don't need your bullshit here. So he became a radio host. And like I said, that's what the liberal media does. They control the newspaper, the radio, and the media. Okay. So he went back to his stopping grounds, controlling the narrative. So, I mean, if you look at the 60s and 70s, and look at the news articles back then, I'm almost guaranteed you'll see a lot of the things they're saying nowadays, but uh, on a flip scale, you know? Yeah, like pretty Instead much history repeating itself. But uh, on, a, on a different scale, right. on a different flip side. So there, here's my thinking. If you go look at uh, when Malcolm X talked about the labor media would portray the black community as criminals, thieves, murderers, rapists, 
Now, the people that read these media papers are, is white America, right? Mm -hmm. The people with the money, the people with the money, not not the low class people, but the people with the money. So they would they read these papers and thought to themselves, oh, the black people are dangerous, you know? So they would get that an idea. So they would, you know, contact their local authorities and be like, we need to have protection because the black people are dangerous. So the narrative was painted by the liberal media. Henceforth, I was going to say, henceforth, where now, even though, even though it was highly prevalent back then, where, you know, <clears throat> we as black folk would get arrested just for being the wrong skin color. You can't do that anymore in today's world now. Right. But henceforth came the modern day, well, okay, um, I'm going to use the term Karen. I don't know what means entitled person. But yeah, I know. I, yeah, I know. I but there's also those racist Karens as well. Right, 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 right. Now, like I said, um, and like I said, now one of the things that Malcolm X said was the media had the power to create the hero into a criminal and the criminal into a hero. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So that's what I mean. But and at the same time, the media that was in power back then was the liberal media. And that's all we're seeing right now. CNN, ABC, MSNBC, um, NPR. I mean, the list goes on and on. They won't tell certain stories. They won't promote um, real news. All they'll do is project um, what the other side is doing and blame them. While at the same time, their own people they're covering up for are doing the exact same thing. So the liberals right now control the left media, right? Yep. And if you look at the narratives that they paint, it's the exact same thing that Malcolm X talked about. And he even said in his speeches that they will hire, you know, black people to report the news because they feel that they can um, get more followers that way. So you look at people like Don Lemon and Joy Reid that spot off all kind of wild bullshit. You know what I'm saying? So these people are, are being um, are employed by the white liberal media to stop their narrative because they think it gives more credibility to the black population. Henceforth, so, I mean, henceforth um, go ahead. Um, the term token black person. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, there, there you go. See, I didn't, I didn't think of that, but there you go. But so, I, but now I, I tell people this all the time and I stand by this. Both sides lie. Both sides lie. I catch them all the time. But right now, for, for some damn reason right now, the right side is lying a lot less. They still lie. They still lie. I catch them all the time, but they lie a lot less. Right. I see a lot, but, and it's not that I, you know, take um, everything as a grain of salt. I read between the lines. I look at patterns. I look at um, all these things. So this guy, even like Lindsey Graham, Lindsey Graham is a Republican, right? Yep. I don't trust him because him, him and Biden were like buddy buddies when Biden was president, vice president. Him and Biden actually had a strategy plan for Afghanistan back in 2009. Okay. So I don't, I don't, and so, but this whole time he's been calling out, well, Biden needs to be fired. Biden needs to resign. Biden did this, Biden. I'm oh, like, yeah, you yeah buddy. What, you but I'm like, buddy, buddy with him like 10, 15 years ago. And you thought right, Biden right, would be fired? Right. Y'all had exactly, they had meetings together about the same exact thing going on right now. Like they were like hand in hand buddies and shit. And I'm like, that's why I don't trust people because they'll speak out of one mouth and talk out the other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Then you got something, then you got some motherfuckers that got another mouth in the back of their heads and is saying some total bullshit. So like I said, both sides lie. And I'm talking about politicians, I'm talking to the media, I'm talking about anybody that claims a um, affiliation for a certain side. Both sides lie, but for some reason, the right is lying a lot less right now. Now I still catch them in lies and I call them out for it. But at the same time, I started thinking, why am I doing these things? Why am I trying to expose um, the idea that the liberals are still trying to manipulate the black folks? I'm pretty sure right now, I'm pretty sure right now, 2021, black people have step, stepped up and listened, you know, to themselves, not anybody else, but to themselves about how these people have treated them over the past, you know, say 80 something years. And I'm seeing a lot more and more of it uh, on social media through my girlfriend because I don't follow anything on social media, but she'll show me videos. I'm like, holy shit. So people are waking up right now. So I am proud to know that even though the shit that they're spewing off, ain't nobody buying it, but they're still spewing it. Right. They're still spewing it, you know, and, it, and it, it cracks me up. And I'm like, 
you have discredited yourself so many times over the past just year and a half. Right. But it goes back, it goes back decades, decades and decades. I mean, like I said, the Jim Crow laws was the Democratic Party. The KKK was the Democratic Party. Segregation was the Democratic Party. You can't deny those those are called facts. Those aren't just conspiracies. Those are facts. Right. You know what I'm saying? Now I've always thought that the Democrats were Southerners and the Republicans were Northerners, and because I always thought that the so I never got into the whole shit of it until the past year and a half. Right. So I always thought, like with the Civil War, I always thought the Republicans were the Union and the Democrats were the Confederates. No, I had no idea it was the other way around. It was liberals versus conservatives back then. You know, it was the idea of we need to help America citizens become better. But now my question is, which citizens are you trying to help? Right. How, so, so my question for this week is, listen to Malcolm X, and he calls out the liberal media and liberal politicians. So my question okay. for everybody out there in the Paranoia Playhouse is, what has the Democrats done for you this year, 2021, to make your life better? That's what I'm asking it. You know what I'm saying? Other than us, I don't see. I don't see nothing other than, other than a stimulus check and. Um, no, 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 no. Think about, think about. Right now, we got gas prices are around three fifty a gallon. Yeah, gas, right well, now, gas prices is running here. Uh, I want to say right around three twenty five a gallon for a gallon of regular. Right. So now we also got you know the shortage of employees. We got shortage of workers. We got shortage of supplies. I mean, all these things are happening so frequently right now in this past um, you know nine ten months all because the democrats are in charge you know what i'm saying yeah the I, see the, administration. I see the worker yeah. shortage and i see the price of food going up little by little too up and up and up. dude i'm telling you, the dollar tree is now the dollar 50 tree you know what i'm saying the dollar tree has always been the dollar store now it's a dollar 50 store they had to raise the prices because of everything so everybody wants to talk about raising the minimum wage this but i'm like if you're making more money in an hour but still paying more money for a product you're not really making no more money and now you're in a higher tax bracket now you're in a higher tax bracket and you got to pay more money back to whoever you got the money from right so, but i but i don't get it but so my question to everybody is look around your your communities Look around your neighborhoods, look around your life, your life, and see how we see you settle in. All right. Like I say, like I say, your headphones pick up everything. Okay. I'm sorry. Are you walking back outside? Nope. Back to my room. All right. I would see you settle in. It's not like a horror show. It's like, I need to put some horror music on there. It's like I'm going to get attacked by something. Wow. Right. All right, now All right. I'm settled. All right. So, like I said, what I want everybody to do this week is look around your communities, your neighborhood, and your life and ask yourself, how has the Democrats helped me live a better life right now? You know, look at everything around you and say, how did they help me? Now, then you go ask that same question. How has the people with the higher incomes life changed? Because paying three Fifty for a gallon of gas so people make a lot of money. It ain't really gonna affect them. Paying an extra fifty cents for you know hamburger meat, pork chop, bologna, cheese, you know, that's not gonna affect them. That extra money is gonna affect us. Right. The people with the low you know, the middle class, the lower class, you know, that's gonna affect them. So you look around the country and ask yourself, how do the Democrats benefit other people? And look at the income bracket. You'll see, like we just talked about the Kroger situation. Yep. You know, your Kroger don't have an automatic cart wrangler because of your community, because it is considered a crime rate community, right? Yep. I'm just asking. All right. But now Dixie, the Dixie Marketplace is a higher income bracket, but they have a cart wrangler and they can stay up open later. Yep. Yeah, there's a there's a thing there. So like I said, but I'm not saying all Democrats are bad. I'm just saying the ideology of the liberals moving toward socialism and marxism is real that is a real thing happening and it's getting more and more so i mean if you support the democrats and you voted democrat that's 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 your choice that's that's you know something you gotta you know deal with or be proud of or accept whatever but that's just the way it is but i'm gonna but say I'm this right quick it ain't ahead, it ain't just about you know certain stores you know certain program locations okay so i look at i live i told you i live on the west side of town right Right. Okay. So, all right. You see my neighborhood. It don't look too bad because I'm up by Shawnee Park. Okay. 
So right. you look at around Shawnee Park, and then you go further down, you know, Southwestern Parkway, come back over towards me, and then you go over a few blocks. I mean, it still don't look nice, but then you go you go down you go down a few blocks past the church and all of that. Um, it starts to get look more and more run down, you know. And then right. like you get over towards Oak Street here in Louisville, Kentucky, like right around you know anywhere between Fifteenth and Eighteenth and Oak. It's like a whole row of abandoned houses, all the boarded up houses right there. Got you. Now, uh, same thing. I uh, um, hate to be off topic real quick, but I uh, hate to get you back on, back on track. But like, talk about the liberal media. Now, I heard something the other day that actually floored me. I mean, they're pretty much saying a lot of the quiet stuff out loud. Okay. I mean, I was saying a lot, saying a lot, yeah, saying a lot of the quiet stuff out loud. And right now in America, there's people in this world that are in a certain income bracket, you know, the middle class to lower class that can't afford a lot of different things. Even then. But now it's making it worse for us to support things. And I heard that someone said, and I heard a, um, one of the news analysts say this, that we need to stop complaining about a situation and lower our expectations. No, no, fuck you. Nah, fuck bro. You. No, fuck you. How about you? How about you give your money, your paycheck to somebody that don't have no fucking money? Right. That don't have a way of life. How about you do those things? How about you lower your expectations of having a boat Three houses, a brand new car every year, a gated community. How about you lower your expectations? Right. You know what I'm saying? Get some of that so stuff anybody, to us. We can use that. Why is somebody calling me? Oh, shit. Hang on one second. Hey, I'm going to have to call you back. Okay. All right. I'm right in the middle of the show. Okay. All right, brother. Bye. That was my um, guru, my mentor. <laughs> oh, okay. But um, so I, I heard that and I'm like, people like us, the common folk that can't afford things then, can't afford things now. We need to stop complaining about what we're in and ex and lower expectations. I'm like, nah, fuck you, fuck you. But then again, like I said, everything is always about the matter of opinion, um, you know, ideas that we have. Like I said, you know, freedom of speech. So, and I I I started saying some stuff the other day and I. I, I sit and think to myself, and I come up with questions, and I also come up with, you know, little quotes and phrases. So I heard, I uh, came up with this. Our opinions don't always have to be, have to coincide with agreement. Right. Your opinion is for you. My opinion is for my, for me. Right. This seems to be the taboo subject uh, amongst liberals and socialists, yet is the free trade in the area of communication. And I, I'm, I heard a couple of people say things, and I was like, so I started writing down my own words, but I got to um, read them over and over again to make them, you know, fluid. But I was like, and, it, and it's true. I think a lot of people don't want us to communicate. You know what I'm saying? They want to divide us by using the um, same tactics they did in the 60s and 70s, but changing the message. Right. So if you want to divide us, then say so. Don't don't bullshit me. Don't right. bullshit me. I like I like bullshit. Like I said, both sides lie. Just for some reason, right now, the right side is lying a lot less. Now, on that note, I'm gonna be I'm gonna say my piece, and now that, that was about it. But I want to hear what you got to say before we head out of here. All right. So what I what I was gonna say was what I also got out of it. Also was like you know we wanted us to also learn how to um think for ourselves. You know. Um, because what happens when you do? What happens when you think for yourself? You frighten them. You frighten them, and it becomes, and yeah, and, and then that's when you become the enemy. Right. So once you stop complying, once you stop lowering your expectations, now you're the bad guy. And who makes you the bad guy? The media. Right. I mean, they always, I get sick, so, so sick and tired of, you know, um, how can I put this? Well, back then, I got so sick and tired of like reading about how we were always portrayed as bad people when there's like some of us that's well, well, my, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know we talk about the minority. Yeah, I know the media painted a certain portrait and people believe that narrative. Right. I understand. I get, I get sick and tired of that. He also, he thought, he mean, it's a lot of stuff that he um, talked about, um, you know. Um, especially, he also mentioned, you know, a little bit about the motherland, you know, as as he yeah, called yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that thing, that thing happened in Congo. I had no idea that went on. Our government replaced the president of the Congo or the ruler of the Congo just so they can have access to the mineral rights. You know, because, you know, I, well, nobody else going to let them in there. Then they actually um, let him, they let the, the, the ruling body of the Congo invite the South Africans in. Everybody knew who South Africa is. That's all Nazis. You know what I'm saying? That's all the fucking white hate right there. They allowed them to come in and take out other tribes. And I'm like, what the fuck? Wow. Our, gov our government did that. And when I say our government, I'm talking about the Democrats and the liberals. And you don't believe me, go look it up. Okay. You know, like I always tell people, do your own research. Do your own research. Form your own opinion. Don't take my word for it. Go look it up. Our government if, um, gave someone power in the Congo. And they, the power person gave power. Invited the white hate from South Africa to come up and destroy other tribes and the name of, you know, freedom, if you want to call it that, you know, whatever. But the government in charge back then were the Democrats and the liberals. So everything they did back then was against um, empowering people, but making themselves better and more powerful and more richer. Are they doing the same thing right now? I you feel know? like they yeah, are. They I feel like, you know, I got to put this. A lot of stuff that uh that I looked at that happened recently, like the biggest thing that still sticks out to me, and I cannot, I will not ever get this out of my head, is how how can you um disenfranchise a city that's seventy percent black, you know, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, from voting by passing, you know, a voter ID law that's under Governor um Scott Walker. No, but they want they want the voter ID law. Like I told you a couple weeks ago, 78% of African-Americans right now in America actually want a voter ID law. Gotcha. Yeah. Voter ID law is not disenfranchising anybody, anybody. Taking a polling station and shutting it down early or moving it or, you know, whatever, that's a different story. But having someone with an ID required to vote is not disenfranchisement. Well, here's why here's why I looked at it looked at it like that is because of the fact of not everybody. The media told you to. No, the media told you to. Not everybody okay. in the state of Wisconsin. Well, not not in the state. Of, not everybody in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, could afford to get that extra, you know, voter ID. It's whatever free. ID it's free. For. Voter ID is free. Voter ID has been free since 1995. Well, whatever he did, he must have done something to charge to charge to make them charge like that, you know, to get these IDs. No, no, voter voter ID is free. Okay, voter ID is free since 1995. The Voter Act. Jimmy Carter set it up. Jimmy Carter and Jim Baker set it up. Voter ID is free. Okay. Voter ID is free. Now, if they don't tell you those things, that's the media not telling you a story and telling you a different story. Okay. Yeah, go look it up. Yeah, Jimmy Carter and Jim Baker, both Democrats. May pass a law, voter ID is free. Okay. Voter ID is, I say it again, voter ID is free. Okay. But now, also on the whole thing of Malcolm X, I mentioned a few things that I picked out of there. Cherry, I mean, I cherry picked a few things. I'm like, hmm, you know what I mean? Right. Um, right. You know, I mentioned love thyself earlier. Think for, I mentioned think for yourself. Um, I also mentioned, uh, I, think, I think we also talked about don't let somebody else do the thinking for you. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. Now, the only bad thing about that is, and I got to give up this semi, like, warning, if you will, because I've gone through this my entire life. If you start thinking for yourself, start acting for yourself, start becoming your own person, you're going to piss some people off. And then they're going to either paint you as the bad guy or try to um, – excommunicate you from a certain, you know, situation. So you got to expect to be ostracized for being your own person. Right. That's the only thing. But have that courage. Have that inspiration. Have that conviction to be your own person because they can't take away who you are. All they can do is change who you are. But also go this, ahead. Go ahead. you know, minus the um, ostracization, and the uh, excommunication and, you know, the shunning, whatever you want to call it. Right, there you go. You're yeah, going to yeah, gain yeah. a new community of people that right, are right. to, you know, be right there along with you. Be like, you know, see, you thinking for yourself and people are going to start thinking for themselves as you spread that word to others. And then eventually you're going to gain new friends that are free thinkers versus right. 
you know, having your old friends that let somebody else think for them or do something just because somebody else told them to. And see, that's what, and you know what? That's what lands a lot of people in jail, too. Like, you know, you got to think about that. We haven't talked about this yet. I might say this for all the show. But like, you got to go along to get along. Yeah. Like, you know, that's yeah. what, I mean, that's, that's what most of these gangs are. Initiation, you know, either getting beat in or either you go rob a bank or go steal this, steal this purse from this lady or whatever you got to do. This, that, you know, the initialization process, the initiation process to get in a gang or to get in with what they call the cool crowd, which is actually the uncool crowd to me. Let me let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Can you see the same similarities in the White House? Yep. Isn't the government a gang? Yep. Aren't they affiliate an organization that you have to initiate to get in there to become one of them by doing something wrong to somebody else to be a part of that crowd? I'm just saying, I understand we talk locally. I get that. But look at the similarities of how the food chain it goes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're right about that. But one thing you did say a couple weeks ago, and I got it, I totally fucking agree. I grew up in a war zone. I grew up a gangbanger. I grew up a street kid. I grew up a dealer. I grew up a hustler. I grew up with these lifestyles. But you pointed out the best. All these gangbangers fight over shit they don't own. Right. We don't own it. We don't own these streets. We don't own these houses. We don't own these right. territory. We don't own these turfs. We they own that shit. So why are we fighting over these little pieces of property right. that we don't even fucking own? Yeah. And I was like, I was like, dude, that, that was bet I heard. I was like, that is fucking awesome. Right. I, I still appreciate that shit. I can I can see if you bought that little you know sliver of land right, or, or right, bought that right. house, and yeah, you have a right to fight over that because that technically is your land because you own it because it's your name on the deed. But this is you got a street. You got a street corner. You got to fight over that. You don't own that fucking street corner. Right. You know, they own that shit, you know, but they allow people to go do whatever they want. But I, I, I totally agree with you. Why fight over something that you don't own? Right. You don't even got to go through that, you know. Um, that's, you know, the, what, what these gangs and whatever is what led to, you know, more police patrol. Then you got the neighbors who want to do the neighborhood watch thing, if that's even still a thing anymore. You still got pastors. Right. You still got pastors, mainly Black pastors, I know. I don't know any white pastors going march. I'm sure there's probably some white pastors. No, 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 no. That they they might march. Um, well, it depends on the community they live in. But if you look at the white churches compared to the black churches, depends on the eco the economy situation. Now, if you got a white church in a predominant white neighborhood or a predominant um, higher income bracket neighborhood, they're not going to go out there and protest. They're going to leave their buildings. They'll sit there behind the pulpits and, and, and talk about these things, but they won't go out there. Now, the people that live in a lower income community, white, black, Spanish, Asian, Italian, doesn't matter. They'll go out because they are the people. They are part of the people. You know what I'm saying? Right. They don't. They don't live in a three uh, three story house behind a gated wall and come out once a week and tell you, "Oh, by the way, don't do this, don't do that." You know? No. These people actually get involved. They get involved in communities. Get involved in neighborhoods because they are the communities. They are the neighborhoods. Right. Right. Um. But like you know, I, I was gonna say, the marching helps. The neighborhood watches help. The police patrol. You know. They help to a certain extent, but you know, they're still like all it does. I mean, it's gonna run them. Yeah. You know, the part that doesn't help is when, yeah, you run them out of one neighborhood, they're just gonna turn around and go right into the next neighborhood. <laughs> and 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 I swear, I, I swear, if anybody tries to call me out for being a racist for making this comment, fuck you. <laughs> it's like going to the kitchen in the middle of the night, turn the light on, and the roaches scatter. Right. <laughs> I I under. I know that because I, I, I live with those things all my fucking life. All right. If anybody knows what I'm talking about, you go in the kitchen, right on, and the roaches just scatter. It's the same situation. Right. You go, you you put in the um the good energy into these neighborhoods, the roaches scatter. Right. Right. But they go so they go somewhere else to set up shop. So yeah, I, I let somebody try to call me out being a man, fuck you. <laughs> hey, I thought that was pretty funny. I mean, I ain't gonna call you right, out. Right, but that. it's but it but it but it's it, it, you know what I'm saying? It's, that's the way it is. You go into a community and bring in good energy, people, the bad element will scatter and form somewhere else. That's exactly what they're doing. What but you, I want to hear someone go, I want to hear someone go, Red Friday, they call Black Little Roaches. No, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> no, but also, <laughs> try, try. What, what, what I was going to also say is this. 
instead of just learning them from neighborhood to neighborhood, why not just, every, it'd be nice if everybody just came together as a whole throughout this whole city and just ran them all out the city, period. No, 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 no. Well, I don't think we need to drive the better. Okay, like that video I showed you, the guy in Miami. Okay. Right? This guy was a former gang gang leader, gang banger, whole nine yards, stopped gang banging, bought some acreage, and started farming, started gardening. Then took other gang members and taught them how to garden and farm and provide for their communities. Why, not, instead of trying to drive the element out, how about we just give them another way to live? Oh, yeah, yeah, we option, could do that too. Another option. But now, I understand. Now, there are some people you can't help. There are some people that you cannot help, right. and they, you know, they don't want to help. You know, we talk about that all the time. But there's a lot of folks out there that are involved in that situation because they have to be. Right. How about give them a different option? Oh, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think that's one thing we're trying to do also with um, these um, – like, we have different gardens throughout the city. We have different parks, you know, where – No, no, no. Go, you got to go beyond that. You got to go beyond that. Get some acreage. Teach them how to farm. Teach them how to garden. Go back to the basics. That way, when you when you raise crops and produce and these things, you give it back to the community. You can either sell it or give it to them. But, you know, it needs enough money to pay for supplies. Not saying sell it to them to make you a profit, but enough money to buy the seeds, to buy the utilities, to buy tools, you know, buy these things. Okay, but, so basically you're saying, basically you're saying, um, I, get, I get what you're saying now. Basically, if those, like I'm going to use my city, for example, if those people that got like acres and acres of land that live out there, like way out there in the eastern part of the county, like Middletown, Eastwood, going out to Simpsonville, if they start allowing some of these people that's doing all that bad stuff, send them out that way or let them start, you know, working wherever, on their land, wherever. you know. Where, no, 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 not working on their land. Have a community buy some land, one or two acres. Right. Teach the people, teach the people how to garden, how to farm. Then get back to the community instead of uh, having them go out there and you know selling drugs and pimping and gangbanging. Give right. them another option. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I I know I always hear the same thing. Well, we don't have a choice to live the way we live. Like you said, some people are actually forced into the lifestyle. Yeah. Give them another. Give them another option. Give them um the um. I guess the hope, if you will, give them, show them there is a way to prosper right. without, without being violent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got to prosper, prosper off the next man by taking the next man's money and putting it in your pocket. We can go, go, go out here and get your own money. Yeah. So like I said, but I said, when I showed you that video, um, there's a guy in Miami, like I said, former gang leader, former gang banger. Right. He bought two acres of land and started gardening and he started recruiting other former gang members to do the same thing. Right. So they started growing crops and giving back to the community. And I'm like, why can't we do something like that around the world? But right. I understand there are some places in the world you um, people don't want to help. They want a gangbang. They want to hustle. They want to make that money right. because it's a lifestyle. I, but if you give them a different option, you never know what might happen. And I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to leave it at that. But um, you got anything else before we get out of here? Mm, no, I said all I need to say. And hopefully I stayed right along the lines of, you know, what we were discussing with that. No, no, no. We, 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 always, we, always, we always have a conversation. That's what it's always about. Right. Changing the world, changing the world one thought at a time. Right. But, yeah, we got to get out of here. Yeah, like I said, you ain't got nothing else. Um, like I said, this is the Paranoia Playhouse. And just because you're paranoid does not mean they are not out to get you. Right. But I'm going to call I'm gonna call it a night. You're going to call it a night. Say good night to the folks and be out of here. All right. Good night. We love y'all. Peace. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up?